As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Jean! Eugene Fodor! Jean, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Jean, and the last star on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man, Marie's a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return, your time won't, and we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hello, this is Let's Talk About Myths, baby. And I am your host, Liv, here with yet another reading of the Argonautica. The really fun thing about the Argonautica is just that it's so historically based kind of before the Trojan War. You know, you have all these heroes that they, the ancient Greeks would have believed came before the heroes of the Trojan War. So you have those iconic people like Heracles, and then you have those shitty people like Jason, and of course, we're coming up on our girl Medea. But while this epic was written fairly late in Greek history, it is talking about characters that are from such an early time in Greek history that it really like has a lot of interesting layers in it. But enough about that. I know you all just want me to read the Argonautica itself, which is exactly what I want to do. 
a quick refresher because we are jumping right back into part two of the second book. Uh, we have just been listening in as the prophet that Jason and the Argonauts stopped by to help tells them everything he knows about what's coming up on their journey to Colchis for the Golden Fleece. He has just finished speaking and our next episode begins with Jason's response. This is the Argonautica by Apollonius, translated by R.C. Seaton, Book 2, Part 2. O aged sire, now hast thou come to the end of the toils of our sea journeying, and hast told us the token trusting to which we shall make our way to Pontus through the hateful rocks. But... Whether when we have escaped them, we shall have a return back again to Hellas? This too we would gladly learn from you. What shall I do? How shall I go over again such a long path through the sea, unskilled as I am with unskilled comrades? And Colchian Aya lies at the edge of Pontus and of the world. Thus he spoke, and him the aged sire addressed in reply, O son, when once thou hast escaped through the deadly rocks, fear not, for a deity will be the guide from Aya by another track, and to Aya there will be guides enough. But, my friends, take thought of the artful aid of the Cyprian goddess, for on her demands the glorious issue of your venture, and further than this ask me not." Thus spoke Agenor's son, and close at hand the twin sons of Thracian Boreas came darting from the sky and set their swift feet upon the threshold, and the heroes rose up from their seats when they saw them present. And Zetes, still drawing hard breath after his toil, spoke among the eager listeners, telling them how far they had driven the harpies, and how his prevented their slaying them, and how the goddess of her grace gave them pledges, and how those others in fear plunged into the vast cave of the Dictaean cliff. Then in the mansion all their comrades were joyful at the tidings, and so was Phineas himself. And quickly Ison's son, with good will exceeding, addressed him. Assuredly there was then, Phineas, some god who cared for thy bitter woe, and brought us hither from afar, that the sons of Boreas might aid you, and if too he should bring sight to thine eyes, verily I should rejoice, methinks, as much as if I were on my homeward way. Thus he spoke, but Phineas replied to him with downcast look, Son of Ison, that is past recall, nor is there any remedy hereafter, for blasted are my sightless eyes. But instead of that, may the god grant me death at once, and after death I shall take my share in perfect bliss. Then they two returned answering speech, each to each other, and soon in the midst of their converse early dawn appeared, and round Phineas were gathered the neighbors who used to come thither aforetime day by day and constantly bring a portion of their food, 
To all alike, however poor he was that came, the aged man gave his oracles with good will, and freed many from their woes by his prophetic art, wherefore they visited and tended him. And with them came Peribius, who was dearest to him, and gladly did he perceive these strangers in the house. For long ere now the seer himself had said that a band of chieftains, faring from Hellas to the city of Achaeres, would make fast their hawsers to the Thynian land, and by Zeus's will would check the approach of the harpies. The rest the old man pleased with words of wisdom and let them go. Peribius only he bade remain there with the chiefs. And straightway he sent him and bade him bring back the choicest of his sheep. And when he had left the hall, Phineas spoke gently amid the throng of oarsmen. Oh, my friends, not all men are arrogant, it seems, nor unmindful of benefits. Even as this, loyal as he is, came hither to learn his fate. For when he labored the most and toiled the most, then the needs of life, ever growing more and more, would waste him, and day after day ever dawned more wretched. Nor was there any respite to his toil. But he was paying the sad penalty for his father's sins, for he, when alone on the mountains felling trees, once slighted the prayers of a Hamadryad, who wept and sought to soften him with plaintive words, not to cut down the stump of an old oak tree coval with herself, wherein for a long time she had lived continually. But he, in the arrogance of youth, recklessly cut it down, so to him the nymph thereafter made her death a curse, to him and to his children. I, indeed, knew of the sin when he came, and I bid him build an altar to the Thynian nymph, and offer on it an atoning sacrifice, with prayer to escape his father's fate. Here, ever since he escaped the god-sent doom, never has he forgotten or neglected me, but sorely and against his will do I send him from my doors, so eager is he to remain with me in my affliction." Thus spoke Agenor's son, and his friend straightway came near, leading two sheep from the flock. And up rose Jason, and up rose the sons of Boreas at the bidding of the aged sire. And quickly they called upon Apollo, lord of prophecy, and offered sacrifice upon the hearth as the day was just sinking. And the younger comrades made ready a feast to their heart's desire." Thereupon, having well feasted, they turned themselves to rest, some near the ship's hawsers, others in groups throughout the mansion, and at dawn the Etesian winds blew strongly, which by the command of Zeus blow over every land equally. Kyrene, the tale goes, once tended sheep along the marsh meadow of Peneus, among men of old time, for dear to her were maidenhood and a couch unstained. But as she guarded her flock by the river, Apollo carried her off from Hymonia and placed her among the nymphs of the land who dwelt in Libya near the Myrtosian height. And here to Phoebus she bore Aristias, whom the Hymonians rich in cornland called hunter and shepherd. Her of his love the god made a nymph there, of long life and a huntress, and his son he brought while still an infant to be nurtured in the cave of Chiron. 
And to him, when he grew to manhood, the muses gave a bride and taught him the arts of healing and of prophecy. And they made him the keeper of their sheep, of all that grazed on the Athamantian plain of Phidia and round steep Othrys and the sacred stream of the river Epidanus. But when from heaven Sirius scorched the Minoan Isles, and for long there was no respite for the inhabitants, then by the injunction of the far darter they summoned Aristias to ward off the pestilence. And by his father's command he left Phidia and made his home on Chios, and gathered together the Parasian people who are of the lineage of Lycaon, and he built a great altar to Zeus Ichmaeus, and duly offered sacrifices upon the mountain to that star Sirius, and to Zeus the son of Kronos himself. And on this account it is that Etesian winds from Zeus cool the land for forty days, and in Chios even now the priests offer sacrifices before the rising of the dog star. So the tale is told, but the chieftain stayed there by constraint, and every day the Thynians, doing pleasure to Phineas, sent them gifts beyond measure. And afterwards they raised an altar to the blessed twelve on the sea beach opposite, and laid offerings thereon, and then entered their swift ship to row. Nor did they forget to bear with them a trembling dove, but Euphemus seized her and brought her all quivering with fear, and they loosed the twin hawsers from the land. Nor did they start unmarked by Athena, but straightway swiftly she set her feel on a light cloud, which would waft her on, mighty though she was, and she swept onto the sea with friendly thoughts to the oarsmen. And as when one roveth far from his native land, as we men often wander with enduring heart, nor is any land too distant, but always are clear to his view, and he sees in his mind his own home. And at once the way over sea and land seems slain, and swiftly thinking, now this way, now that, he strains with eager eyes. So swiftly the daughter of Zeus darted down and set her foot on the cheerless shore of Thynia. Now when they reached the narrow strait of the winding passage, hemmed in on both sides by rugged cliffs, while an eddying current from below was washing against the ship as she moved on, now when they reached the narrow strait of the winding passage, hemmed in on both sides by rugged cliffs, while an eddying current from below was washing against the ship as she moved on, they went forward sorely in dread, and now the thud of the crashing rocks ceaselessly struck their ears, and the sea-washed shores resounded, and then Euphemus grasped the dove in his hand and started to mount the prow, and they, at the bidding of Tiphys, son of Hagnius, rode with good will to drive Argo between the rocks, trusting to their strength, and as they rounded a bend they saw the rocks opening for the last time of all. Their spirit melted within them, and Euphemus sent forth the dove to dart forward in flight, and they all together raised their heads to look. But she flew between them, and the rocks again rushed together and crashed as they met face to face, and the foam leapt up in a mass like a cloud, 
awful was the thunder of the sea, and all round them the mighty welkin roared. The hollow caves beneath the rugged cliffs rumbled as the sea came surging in, and the white foam of the dashing wave spurted high above the cliff. Next, the current whirled the ship round, and the rocks shore away the end of the dove's tail feathers, but away she flew unscathed. And the rowers gave a loud cry, and Tiphys himself called to them to row with might and main, for the rocks were again parting asunder. But as they rowed, they trembled, until the tide returning drove them back within the rocks. Then most awful fear seized upon all, for over their head was destruction without escape. And now to right and left broad Pontus was seen, when suddenly a huge wave rose up before them, arched like a steep rock, and at the sight they bowed with bended heads. For it seemed about to leap down upon the ship's whole length and to overwhelm them. But Tiphys was quick to ease the ship as she labored with the oars, and in all its mass the wave rolled away beneath the keel, and at the stern it raised Argo herself and drove her far away from the rocks, and high in air was she borne. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, huh? oh. run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. But Euphemus strode among all his comrades and cried to them to bend their oars with all their might, and they with a shout smote the water. And as far as the ship yielded to the rowers, twice as far did she leap back and the oar were bent like curved bows as the heroes used their strength. Then a vaunted billow rushed upon them, and the ship like a cylinder ran on the furious wave, plunging through the hollow sea. And the eddying current held her between the clashing rocks, and on each side they shook and thundered, and the ship's timbers were held fast. Then Athena, with her left hand, thrust back one mighty rock, and with her right pushed the ship through, and she, like a winged arrow, sped through the air. Nevertheless, the rocks, ceaselessly clashing, shore off as she passed to the extreme end of the stern ornament, but Athena soared up to Olympus when they had escaped unscathed. And the rocks in one spot at that moment were rooted fast forever to each other, which thing had been destined by the blessed gods when a man and his ship should have passed between them alive. And the heroes breathed again after their chilling fear, beholding at the same time the sky and the expanse of sea spreading far and wide, for they deemed that they were saved from Hades and Tiphys first of all began to speak. It is my hope that we have safely escaped this peril, we and the ship, and none other is the cause so much as Athena, who breathed into Argo divine strength when Argus knitted her together with bolts, and she may not be caught. Son of Ison, no longer fear thou so much the hest of thy king, since a god hath granted us escape between the rocks, for Phineas Agenor's son said that our toils hereafter would be lightly accomplished. He spoke, and at once he sped the ship onward through the mist of the sea past the Bithynian coast. But Jason, with gentle words, addressed him in reply. Tiphys, why dost thou comfort thus my grieving heart? I have erred and am distraught in wretched and helpless ruin. For I ought, when Peleus gave the command, to have straightway refused this quest to his face. Though I were doomed to die pitilessly, torn limb from limb, but now I am wrapped in excessive fear and cares unbearable, dreading to sail through the chilling paths of the sea, and dreading when we shall set foot on the mainland. For on every side are unkindly men, and ever when day is done I pass a night of groans from the time when you first gathered together for my sake, while I take thought for all things, but thou talkest at thine ease, eating only for thine own life, 
while for myself I am dismayed not a whit. But I fear for this man, and for that equally, and for thee, and for my other comrades, if I shall not bring you back safe to the land of Hellas. Thus he spoke, making trial of the chiefs, but they shouted loud with cheerful words, and his heart was warmed within him at their cry, and he again spoke outright among them. My friends, in your valour my courage is quickened, wherefore now, even though I should take my way through the gulfs of Hades, no more shall I let fear seize upon me, since you are steadfast amid cruel terrors. But now that we have sailed out from the striking rocks, I trow that never hereafter will there be another such fearful thing, if indeed we go on our way following the counsel of Phineas. Thus he spoke, and straightway they ceased from such words and gave unwearying labor to the oar, and quickly they passed by the swiftly flowing river Rebus and the peak of Colone, and soon hereafter the black headland, and near it the mouth of the river Phyllis, where aforetime Dipsaius received in his home the son of Athamas, when with his ram he was flying from the city of Orchomenus, and Dipsacus was the son of a meadow nymph, nor was insolence his delight, but contented by his father's stream, he dwelt with his mother, pasturing his flocks by the shore, and quickly they sighted and sailed past his shrine, and the broad banks of the river, and the plain, and deep-flowing Calpi, and all the windless nights, and the day they bent to their tireless oars. And even as ploughing oxen toil as they cleave the moist earth, and sweat streams in abundance from flank and neck, and from beneath the yoke their eyes roll askance, while the breath over rushes from their mouths in hot gasps, and all day long they toil, planting their hoofs deep in the ground, like them the heroes kept dragging their oars through the sea. Now when divine light has not yet come, nor is it utter darkness, but a faint glimmer has spread over the night, the time when men wake and call it twilight. At that hour they ran into the harbour of the desert island Phineas, and, spent by weary toil, mounted the shore. And to them the son of Leto, as he passed from Lycia far away to the countless folk of the Hyperboreans, appeared— and about his cheek on both sides his golden locks flowed in clusters as he moved. In his left hand he held a silver bow, and on his back was slung a quiver hanging from his shoulders, and beneath his feet all the island quaked, and the waves surged high on the beach. Helpless amazement seized them as they looked, and no one dared to gaze face to face into the eyes of the god. And they stood with heads bowed to the ground, but he far off passed on to the sea through the air, and at length Orpheus spoke as follows, addressing the chiefs. Come, let us call this island the sacred isle of Apollo of the dawn, since he has appeared to all, passing by at dawn, and we will offer such sacrifices as we can, building an altar on the shore, and if hereafter he shall grant us a safe return to the Hymonian land, then will we lay on his altar the thighs of horned goats. And now I bid you propitiate him with the steam of sacrifice and libations. Be gracious, O king, 
be gracious in thy appearing. Thus he spoke, and they straightway built up an altar with shingle, and over the island they wandered, seeking, if haply they could get a glimpse of a fawn or a wild goat, that often seek their pasture in the deep wood. And for them Leto's son provided a quarry, and with pious rites they wrapped in fat the thigh bones of them all, and burnt them on the sacred altar, celebrating Apollo, lord of dawn. And round the burning sacrifice they set up a broad dancing ring, singing, All hail, fair god of healing, Phoebus, all hail. And with them Iagoras, goodly son, began a clear lay on his Bistonian lyre, how once beneath the rocky ridge of Parnassus he slew with his bow the monster Delphini, he still young and beardless, still rejoicing in his long tresses. Mayst thou be gracious ever, O king, be thy locks unshorn, ever unravaged, for so it is right, and none but Leto, daughter of Chius, strokes them with her dear hands. And often the Corician nymphs, daughters of Pleistus, took up the cheering strain, crying, Healer! Hence arose this lovely restrain of the hymn to Phoebus. Now when they had celebrated him with dance and song, they took an oath with holy libations, that they would ever help each other with concord of heart, touching the sacrifice as they swore, and even now there stands there a temple to gracious concord, which the heroes themselves reared, paying honor at that time to the glorious goddess. Now when the third morning came, with a fresh west wind, they left the lofty island. Next, on the opposite side, they saw and passed the mouth of the river Sangarius, and the fertile land of the Mirandini and the stream of Lycus, and the Anthemesian lake, and beneath the breeze the ropes and the tackling quivered as they sped onward. During the night the wind ceased, and at dawn they gladly reached the haven of their Carusian headland. It rises aloft with steep cliffs, looking towards the Bithynian sea, and beneath it smooth rocks, ever washed by the sea, stand rooted firm." and round them the wave rolls and thunders loud, but above wide-spreading plane-trees grow on the topmost point, and from it towards the land a hollow glen slopes gradually away, where there is a cave of Hades overarched by wood and rocks. From here an icy breath unceasingly issues from the chill recess, ever forms a glistening rime which melts again beneath the midday sun. And never does silence hold that grim headland, but there is a continual murmur from the sounding sea and the leaves that quiver in the winds from the cave. And here is the outfall of the river Asheron, which bursts its way through the headland and falls into the eastern sea, and a hollow ravine brings it down from above. In after times, the Nicene Megarians named it Suonates, when they were about to settle in the land of the Mariandini. For indeed the river saved them with their ships when they were caught in a violent tempest. By this way the heroes took the ship through the Asherusian headland, and came to land over against it as the wind had just ceased. 
Well, nerds, that seems like the perfect place to end this part two of book two. It leaves us on a good point so I can bring you back in for the next episode, which will be the last part of book two. It seems like each book will get three parts, which kind of works out perfectly. We get nice 12 episode interspersed with conversations. I don't know that you guys need to know all of these details, but for some reason I like to speak them out loud. Anyway, stay tuned. Conversations abound. More episodes on the Argonautica. I don't have my schedule in front of me, so I don't know what's coming next or what came before or even where I am. Thank you all so much for listening. These readings are very fun and they just really help me keep myself in check and keep myself from being too overworked, um, getting these double episodes out every week. So I appreciate you for appreciating them. You are all so wonderful. Maybe this is the time for a rating and a review. Do I ask that too often? Who's to say? Because it's working. So I'm just going to keep doing it. You're all the best. I am Liv and I love this shit. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastor on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.